0: Welcome to the Saturday Night Sound Podcast. He is Chris Marler. And I am Connor O'Kara. Marlar, I-, I could lead with pretty much anything after yeah. yesterday. Uh, Clemson lost to Notre Dame and rushed the field like it wasn't 2020. Um, yeah, that was interesting. My alma mater beat Michigan for the first time since I've been alive. Like a drum. Covered the first half team total as well. Money in the bank. And obviously, you know, cocktail party happened, and it was filled with storylines, which we're going to talk a lot about anyways.
1: But instead... We got a president. (laughs) That too. That too. There's like... like, That was like sandwiched in in the middle of it. I didn't mean mean to... We're not going to talk politics, but I have to tell you a story about it. It
0: was a very busy news day, needless to say. And um, I mean appreciate them for making that announcement at 11:30 and not like during the middle of, you know, the cocktail party or something like that. I'm sure they disagree we'll we'll disagree on that but go okay. Ahead. Um, go. I, I instead wanted to lead with something else. Okay. Malik Willis-Heisman, buzz. Let's freaking go. 7-0, Liberty Flames. Everybody was freaking out at the end of the game. They're like, oh, Virginia Tech returned a field goal block for a touchdown, blah, blah, blah. Did nobody hear the whistle? Did nobody hear the freaking whistle that was blowing? Because Liberty wasn't going down like that. Malik Willis wasn't going to let that happen. And instead, all the man does is come back, composed as ever, fires a quick little first down, sets up an easier kick, Game-winning field goal, seven and zero. Flames are legit.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sure. We gotta let you gotta let this go. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it was a ridiculous, crazy day. I, I like. Door, so CD called me at like eleven forty-five, eleven fifty, or something like what that. What did he call you this time? And, so, <laughs> so he called me on the phone, and uh, and he was like. He's like, hey man, just kind of going over some stuff. Uh, I want to get your opinion on something. And so we're just talking about like first half season, first half of the season, like highlights, right? And in the middle of that, Allie's like, Chris, Chris, and I'm like, what Keso got out, like he got hit by a car. What is happening? And because I was like freaking out. She was like so over like over the top, and she's like, We have a president. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And so I was pissed because I I wanted to watch the Texas game at 12. There's no SEC games. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, just that channel was showing the president stuff, and I was so mad because it was like, guys, you had all week to do this, all week to figure this out, and now we're sitting here, and it gets important or whatever. But I was so mad. Should have flipped over to watch some football. Should have
0: flipped over to ACC Network. It was electric.
1: I don't have ACC Network, Connor. That's a ridiculous network to have. That makes one
0: of us. A lot of stuff to get to. Of course, we're going to talk about the uh, big change in what happened in Jacksonville. Whoa. Uh, a lot of short and long-term implications with how Florida was able to, to beat Georgia for the first time since 2016. We are going to get to the rest of the SEC, which, you know, for a four-game slate, I actually thought there were a lot of takeaways from it. And maybe you'll disagree yeah. on that. But um, with almost every team who is in action, with probably the exception of Vandy, poor Vandy. But yeah. I thought there were some, some, definitely some long-term things that we're going to have to get to. And the good news, well, we have Sunday apologies uh, just like normal. And the good news is by the end of the show, we're going to be talking about a full slate of SEC football yeah. and it's Masters Week in November. What a blessed time. This is going to be awesome. What a blessed oh, man.
1: time. I don't think there's going to be as much hate coming out of me this week, but there's going to be some.
0: I, I think there will be. I, I know you. Yeah. I know you when it comes yeah, to Alabama Bama LSU, and I, I know that that's going to be. Oh, scary. I
1: meant I meant to I, I meant to our audience, but yeah.
0: What what did they ever do to <laughs> you? Let's let's oh let's, be nice let's be nice to them. Let's be nice them before we do all of that. Marler, we threw a little change-up last time. Texas Pete ad in the middle of the pod. We're not yeah. we're not messing around today. It's Sunday. We got to get this from the jump. For those of you who I mean, yeah. it's Sunday while we're recording this, and I'm thinking about lunch whenever we record this. So naturally, my mind Ooh. is on Texas Pete.
1: I haven't had breakfast yet, and, and I, I need I need myself some Texas Pete and some eggs. Man, I've really gotten back to that now. I, I don't know why I went away from it for so long. Um, regardless, if you have it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, make sure you have it at some point, maybe multiple points throughout the day. Texas Pete, uh, just, oh, it just makes everything so much better. There's a cool little crisp in the air. Nothing to warm you up like some good old-fashioned Texas Pete. Uh, like I said, eggs. Put it on your chicken. Put it on your. Put it on your Thanksgiving turkey. Whatever you want to do. Honestly, I have just got. I got little bottles up all around the house and around our our roof, because I can't afford lights. So I just have Texas Pete bottles everywhere. It's it's beautiful this year. Those are our Christmas decorations. Make sure you go get some Texas Pete today. Um, whether it's the wing sauce, I think <laughs> somebody, I have to share this. Somebody said somebody said this the other day, and it was like how podcasts are going to be with like all the like the political unrest. It's like, with a changing in democracy, nothing makes me hungrier than a, a, than a Texas Pete with turkey. Um, but yeah, this this fall especially, this Thanksgiving especially, make sure the number one thing that's at your, your table is not necessarily a turkey. It's Texas Pete. Go to TexasPete.com today for, for recipes. Um, get the dust, get the wing sauce, get the regular sauce, whatever you want to do. Just make sure it's on the table. Do you have glass bottles hanging up like that? That's dangerous. That's like an icicle. It's very dangerous, yeah. It should not have done it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, well. Yeah. But all in the name of Texas Pete. In non-Malik Willis news yesterday. Oh, God. Florida gets over the hump against Georgia in Jacksonville. Florida's first win there in four years. Most points scored by Florida against Georgia since that title team back in 2008. Kyle Trask 474 passing yards and four touchdowns. First SEC quarterback to ever have at least four passing touchdowns in his first five games. And it felt like he probably could have had more if I'm being 100% honest, just saying.
1: Uh, I mean, he had had the chance to get more and uh, he didn't look good in the second half.
0: I agree, I agree. I thought when Kyle Pitts went down, I thought their offense definitely looked different. And credit Georgia, who actually did a really, really good job defending Kadarius Toney. But here's the thing. Florida's offense did the same thing to Georgia as 2019 LSU and 2020 Bama. I get it, Jordan Davis, Richard LeCount.
1: They actually did it worse, in my opinion. They, probably they, they did it. I mean, like they did. They did it better than those other two. Scored teams, more points. They made them. Georgia look worse. Yeah.
0: Jordan Davis, Richard LeCount. Obviously, those guys are important. Jordan Davis in the run game is phenomenal. He allows those guys to yep. do so many different things. Richard LeCount and what he does all over the field. It's unfair to just call him a safety with how much he is able right. to play in the box and do stuff like that. They're not the reason that happened. They're not.
1: No, they're not. And Georgia fans need to hear this, and they're going to hate hearing it. But, my God, like, they came out immediately with that. With that God, we're going to have to already do it. Um, with that b- about how, you know, this, I like, I get the injuries played a definitely factor. In, and, and before you guys start losing your mind about how I brought up the injuries all the time last year at Bama, there's a difference in that and saying, well, I wouldn't even respect this win if I was Florida because it's only because of the injuries. And it's like, what yeah, that's are you talking true. about? That's just not true. Right.
0: Um, Kyle Trask had 341 first half passing yards all right yeah let's let's call that yep. what it is georgia couldn't defend a wheel route until the fourth quarter of that game what? that was bizarre that
1: wasn't those were not pick plays just so we're all clear those are wheel routes that are most basic passing like paid plays in in maybe like all of all of football.
0: Yesterday was a perfect day to teach Lauren, my wife, what a wheel yeah, route yeah. was. She learned what a what a wheel route was watching yeah. this game because it's all they're doing and she's like, "What's yeah. a wheel route?" They just keep doing it over and over and over again. I said, "You know, you'd be surprised because based on the way that George is defending this, you think it's a really complicated thing. It's not. not.
1: It's not. <laughs> it's really not. It was it was pretty simple. I, I, I just and I tell you what, like so you brought up like the numbers in the first half and this is why like the injuries definitely played a factor, and the injuries will play a factor throughout the rest of the year. the The reason why I am not putting as much stock into that because of this performance, and if you want to compare it to the Bama stuff from last year, Bama lost by eight points in two games.
0: No, I'm comparing it, was, it to it was, Bama this no, year. No, no, I'm not.
1: I'm not you. I'm oh, not you. I'm, okay, I'm okay. saying in general, because this is what I got a lot from fans, and it's like it sucks because it's like it was it was noticeably different. Like like. The defense is noticeably different, but the defense has also looked noticeably different the last three times they've gone up against an explosive offense like this. Exactly against Bama when they were fully healthy, against last year when they when they played LSU. But but what, what where I thought this was different was I said going into the game, looking at these some of these numbers, I did like a little deep dive in the stats, and and Kirby had played since he's been at Georgia, 2016. Right, there have been four games against Florida and one against Mullen at Mississippi um, State, at Mississippi State. So five games total, right? If you want to combine them. All that kind of stuff, and and you you take like the five total games that Kirby Smart has has coached against Florida or Dan Mullen and or Dan Mullen, no team had ever gained over three hundred yards of total offense at all. The highest was like two eighty. No team had scored over twenty four points. That's I mean they did all of that halfway through the second quarter. It was that's why I don't different. think the injuries were as big of a deal. Like like the injuries were they're awful because I think. From a mindset, you're like, God, man, if we get behind, if we're already struggling Like, from a confidence standpoint, it's really hard to overcome that because you know it's they're not coming back. And then scene going out, too, was, was a tough loss. But it's like, I mean, they, they were giving up historical historical numbers that they, that they just didn't do.
0: That Georgia lead was gone like that. And it felt yeah. like from that point on, once Florida had that opening drive and, and settled in the game, you're like, okay, well, Florida's offense is going to be able to get theirs in this game. Yep. And there's really not a whole lot that Georgia could do about it. And, you know, credit Georgia, who actually stopped them, you know, stopped the running game, which
1: yep. 14
0: consecutive years heading into this one, in which the team that had the most rushing yards won this game. That didn't happen today. Why? Uh-uh. Because football is different in 2020. Yeah. This Florida offense is built to win in 2020. Georgia's team is not built to win in this era. And I give you know, I, I I gave Kirby Smart a lot of flack for not developing his offense to be able to to change with the times and not doing it until 2020. Right. Clearly they still don't have the personnel to run it. Having said I... they don't. They don't. Because when your quarterbacks quarterback. it, yeah, when your quarterbacks are that poor, there were routes that were schemed open, and I don't hate the offensive philosophy to a certain extent. The problem that I have though is and I texted I texted this to you and Will. Watching this game where right away when Samir White has a seventy five yard touchdown on, right? And mm-hmm. and we're like, oh my gosh, this is this is gonna be a bloodbath. You've cursed yeah. two times already in the first eleven minutes. Goodness gracious. But those are like
1: that's just how I would talk. I wasn't like oh, super fired True. up. Good point. Like, I was like, oh, you know, I'm about to get fired up. I'm about to get fired up. <laughs> oh good. Here we go. How put some heat on it, Connor?
0: <laughs> <laughs> So that happens, right? And we're like, okay, this is Georgia's going to be able to run the ball. Georgia is. There's no doubt that Georgia's going to be able to run the ball. In this game, Samir White did not have his fifth carry until midway through the third quarter. In Georgia's yep. 29 offensive plays following that 75-yard run that Samir White had in which he went, I think, untouched, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, and they set he the did. edge perfectly. He got three carries in those next 29 plays. I'm going to say something you know, here that, that, you know what, I, I Georgia fans, you said it all day yesterday, and I'm usually against it. you. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Because you know what? How in the world does that happen where Georgia falls into that trap again? It happened against Bama in the second half where Georgia all of a sudden is like, ooh, we want to be one of these modern offenses too. You don't have the personnel to do it right now. You just Um. don't. You don't have the quarterback to be able to do it. Your receivers don't don't lay out. You have a running game that's actually establishing something. This is who you are right now, and you can't be that thing.
1: And you did it to yourself, and it's hilarious to watch. And and I, I like, listen, I know I know very well who I picked yesterday to win that game. I know very well what I said on this podcast about Kirby Smart and all those things. And I hope it made Georgia fans feel all nice, warm, and fuzzy inside. I, you know, we're gonna do Sunday apologies later. I need to apologize to to uh, probably to Georgia fans and myself for for I I, I think I think being trying to try to be self-aware here. I've been placating Georgia fans, and I have been building them up for for maybe maybe it's out of fear that they are going to overtake Bama. To it's not extent. been real. To a certain extent, yeah, it's it's not it has not been a real thing. I think I've I, I've I've come to learn they they are they are not the best defense in the last decade. Kirby Smart, I don't know, he's obviously this year he's not going to make a national championship no matter who the quarterback is. And I'm starting to really wonder if, if he is the coach that's going to take them to a national championship, no matter how much effing talent is on that sideline. Because Zamir White, like I, I, I just, there were so many different like like ideas that were thrown out and second guessing of like, you know, last year I kept saying or last week I kept saying he's really cost himself a, a, a you know a, the potential of of being able to like benefit from from passing the ball against Kentucky you didn't need to to just run the ball to beat Kentucky like you beat Kentucky on the first drive work on some things you know what I mean that's like basically a glorified practice throw the ball around work on throwing the deep ball you never do that and then I had Georgia fans say and I thought it was a good point at the time well maybe they were just trying to run the football because that's how they're going to beat Florida well you run on the first play and it looked that looked like it checked out that tracks and then instead Zamir White has six carries for the rest of the game. And you could say, well, you can't run the ball when we're behind. You had a 14-point lead. Yeah. Everything that you needed to happen, y- you did. Like everything that you needed to happen was in place. Like like you you got out to a 14-0 lead on this fast start offense, so you you now can control the tempo if your defense can get a stop. Couldn't do it. I mean, they didn't score again until the third quarter. Like late in the And third it was quarter a great drive in which
0: they actually started running the ball again. It was like, well, why right. did they deviate from that for so long? But
1: but the inability, like, like, there was there was some play calling that that I didn't even think was that bad from Munkin where he had guys open. And you're, and you're also right about the fact that those receivers don't lay out. No, they don't. They just don't. They, just don't. they don't. And it's frustrating. It, they, they don't try to help him. I, George Pickens, good riddance, dude. Like, you, you've you shown nothing, to, like, to me, that, that in a big moment, you're going to do anything that's not... He didn't some, make the trip. I know that. I know that. And the rumors that I've heard from Athens are that it's it's a lot bigger than just an, an injury. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure of how how accurate that is and I'm not going to get into it but like like from what I'm hearing it's it's much more close to that he's just not going to be on the team. So anyway, moving forward, yeah. Moving forward, like like that kid does nothing that's not self-serving. He like like if it's if it's not going to be just something for him, he's he's not really involved. But but Kirby, you're the one that has the hand over all this. We, t- we made fun of the Darth Vader thing last week. With Mullen, like, dude, you're Darth Vader for, for your for your program. Your hand is over everything, and and you learned that from Saban. Like, like you're a defensive coach, but like you are gonna you are gonna control. We're gonna run the football. We're gonna do this, bro. Stay in your lane and back the f up and let every one of your other coaches do what they're supposed to do. Because right now Todd Munkin's not able to run his offense. The offense looks like, <laughs> and 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 you have continuously shown that you're only gonna make it worse by throwing the wrong guy out there
0: what Saturday showed and we're going to get to Florida don't worry Florida fans i promise you we're oh, yeah. going to give your team the love that it deserves for um, another in my opinion the best win so far of the Tam Mullen era what we can no longer expect to happen is yeah. Georgia to stymie these elite offenses let's nope. let's not get into this this belief that Georgia is going to come out and hold one of these top tier offenses to half of its season's total and win a game 28 to 21. It's unrealistic. It's not the way that football is played today. Saban came out and said after the Georgia win, like five days after, look, it's just, it ain't that way anymore. It's not, you need to be able to score points. And you can't just have that be the foundation of your team. And Georgia wants, Georgia I think has recognized that. But the problem right now is that Georgia still puts way too much pressure on that defense, obviously. And you can say that's, that's because of the quarterback play But it's Georgia trying to fit into this mold yet, trying to fit into this mold when it really doesn't have that. Now, I think for what we saw from Florida, that was everything I thought they could be coming into this season with the weapons that they had on the outside, with Kyle Trask looking calm, not getting rattled, not getting flustered by the fact that his team got smacked in the face early and they fell behind 14-0. There were plays in that game where the first touchdown pass where he, where he had, he gets, it looks like he's getting hit, and I think it was, I think it was Ojulari who had him, yeah, it was either Ojulari or Herring. He's dead or right. Yeah, who had him, and it looks like the ball was about to slip out of his hand and he's able to just kind of flick it and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that Kyle Trask does so extremely well. And obviously Kyle Pitts was extraordinary for the time that he was on the field. That that hit was super, super yeah, scary. Good God. But this belief that like Florida was going to be the same old Florida. yeah, we, just, we weren't paying attention to the first part of this season if we thought that this offense was just going to go in the crapper all of a sudden because they spread teams out in a variety of ways their running backs catch passes at an extraordinary level. Florida's running backs had 212 receiving yards. Can we take a moment yeah, to so process that, that something
1: uh, – uh, just be honest, like, I know I know the numbers they've put up, but, like, we've admittedly are sometimes blinded by Tony and Pitts and Trask. Like, have they been doing that all season? Because <laughs> I mean, it's Grimes backs, like, as
0: well. I thought he played Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, Grimes
1: is good, man. Um, that catch you made in the end zone was incredible. But, uh, but like, I, I, I'm saying, like, I don't know if – I mean 212 yards from running backs is ridiculous and and it's like I didn't I don't know if that's part of the scheme or if they were just like hey this is how we're going to absolutely destroy It's this it's team. both. It,
0: it's scheme yeah. because they Georgia insists on covering those those running backs with linebackers yeah. and they weren't able to do it. It wasn't until the 4th quarter where where it looks like Trask threw one into traffic where it finally got Got picked up, and you're like, "Oh, hey, that's yeah. what it looks like to defend a wheel rod." And I think it was because Malik Davis got taken out of the play on the short side yep. or whatever it was. But you look at this offense, and it's going to get it. It's going to be able to get it over the course of sixty minutes. There's just no doubt about that anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you could say they struggled in the second half without Kyle Pitts. They definitely oh, did. They'll
1: put up forty on Bama.
0: I mean, I I, I would I would brace <laughs> for that at this point. Let's let's yeah. not pretend like Alabama or Florida is all of a sudden just going to shut down. Each other because oh, no. that's the track that they're heading on right yeah. now for this SEC championship. And while nothing's official, Saturday all but oh, guaranteed official. Florida that spot to be able to do that now because Georgia's yeah. essentially two games back. So I, I thought Florida, though, offensively, if you were if you were saying this is the same old Florida, th- that was proof that this wasn't and that this was really yeah. teed up for Dan Mullen to be able to finally get over the hump against Kirby Smart.
1: Yeah, you know, the numbers the numbers really did like for like for Dan Mullen and for um against Kirby Smart and Florida against Kirby Smart, they, it really was it was shocking to see how low it really was. Like the, the two like I think two like eighties, like the most offensive yards they'd put up at any point against them, and then like I said, like twenty-four points and, and the twenty-four points the highest they'd ever had, that was with uh McElwain in twenty sixteen. I mean, like Dan Mullen since twenty seventeen it was three points, seventeen and seventeen. And, and so this was Unexpected, not just because of what we've seen. Like Oh, the three like points I, was the, at
0: Mississippi State. Yeah, right, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. okay. the, the, the point you made about how like, we weren't watching if, it's like the, if we thought it was for like – you know, we weren't watching the beginning of the season if we didn't think this was going to happen. I kind of disagree with that because as much as we've not really seen this offense slow down in, in certain standpoints, I have watched Kirby Smart stifle Dan Mullen before. I also brought this up on Friday night, and you look at Kyle Trask's numbers – like going into this game, like like before, but like his numbers from last year, which numbers of last year, remember this summer when I said that uh, he was better than Jake Fromm and Georgia fans lost their mind and we talked about talked about some of the numbers. That game against last year, he had 257 yards passing. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions, and completed 64% of his passes. In the last 38 games going into this one, the last 38 games under Kirby Smart, only two quarterbacks had, had completed over 60% of their passes, had 250 yards, and didn't throw an interception. You know who they were?
0: Burrow didn't have an interception in the in the SEC championship. Mac Jones had an interception. Yeah. So Kyle
1: Trask and Mac Jones. Yeah. Or Kyle, Kyle Trask, Trask and Joe I mean, Burrow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Kyle Trask and Joe Burrow. And 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 you started looking at it, and I was like, one of the things that was crazy was, um, I, I looked at like 2016, 2017, 2018 Florida games, and then the 2017 Dan Mullen game. Those four games combined, right? Those four games combined against Kirby Smart. They had 405 total yards passing. They had two total passing touchdowns. Kyle Trask did he, he out outperformed all of that yesterday. And he did it very early in the game. And it was just, it was I, I think that Dan Mullen deserves so much credit for this. And I was so wrong about him not being able to go in and 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 outcoach Kirby Smart because he, he outcoached him all day yep. long. And and I think that if you're a Georgia fan. And you talk about the Jimmys and Joes and the recruiting, all that kind of stuff. We t- we we knock Mullen all the time for him not being able to recruit. This is what that looked like yesterday, with a quarterback who no one wanted, and he has he has turned him into this. I would be terrified if I was a Georgia fan, having, having like having to know because because really now you start you start like kind of like peeling back some of the layers of this. Georgia's had a lot of success against the SEC East. They they especially. Have dominated them before Dan Mullen got there. And and I know it's only one game, but with what we saw them able to do to that defense and the strengths that Georgia had and how weak they all looked, it was incredible to watch. And I, and I honestly think that Dan Mullen deserves a lot of credit. Gratham deserves a lot of credit. But Kyle Trask, yesterday, in my opinion, should be the frontrunner for the Heisman. I don't hate that I, argument I at think, this point. No, I, like like, listen, I love Mac Jones. I know I've been arguing with Wes Burbrick or whatever his name is in the Facebook group all the time about who's going to have the most passing yards. I don't know if Trask has the most passing yards of the year. Five straight games with four passing touchdowns? But with ease. With ease.
0: You know what this has shown these last couple of years? and You can even go back to 2018 with Felipe Franks as well. I like Nick Fitzgerald. I really do. Oh, God. Dan Mullen's not recruiting Nick Fitzgeralds anymore. Nope. Dan Mullen has evolved his offense to a much more pass-happy approach, and we can talk about how Kyle Trask wasn't the natural fit in his offense. Dan Mm -hmm. Mullen has adjusted his scheme to Kyle Trask's skill set incredibly well, and that's what gets lost in the shuffle of his rise in all of this. And I thought that was such a – just a a statement win, and Kyle Trask sensed it, and he understood. You saw a different kind of emotion out of him knowing what Mm -hmm. was at stake. Also, third and Grantham worked. I I get it. George's quarterback play was terrible. At the same time two for 13 on third down that's all georgia was we talked about you asked the
1: question s- like are they going to complete 60 percent of?
0: 62.5 percent was what georgia was on third down in the last yeah. two years against florida this was a thing though this was a thing coming into this where yeah. it was still considered an unknown is todd grantham going to be able to do what he did against mizzou which was find yeah. ways to dial up pressure that don't leave guys on islands which he yeah. did but i think it's it's not even the edge guys that's the crazy thing like mm-hmm. you know you see Kyrie campbell and and the impact that he has had since he's been able to return. And Brenton Cox, of course, had that big moment. Cool to see him be able to celebrate after. I'm sure Georgia fans would disagree with that. But at the same time, like, it actually worked. And we didn't know that it was going to work until we saw it play out and you saw the continued success that he was able to have. Yeah. I think that now Florida, obviously being in the driver's seat, moving forward, interesting matchup next week. But... You know, I I think we we have Florida figured out more. Florida looks a lot more like a contender, especially with the defense playing like this. My question's about Georgia moving forward because this is the first time since year one of Kirby Smart in which this Georgia team is out of it in the regular season. And how do they respond? respond? In a year like this where you don't get those, you know, those non-conference games in the middle of the season and the schedule is is a grind. And what what now happens with this team? Are we going to see... More guys that 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 opt out. What's going to happen with this JT Daniels situation that continues God, to that baffle us? On the oh yesterday. my gosh!
1: I I mean, listen. There was some asshole uh, on Twitter yesterday talking about how I didn't know what I was talking about because if I said the Dwan Mathis thing, and then I saw David Pollock even came out and said that that the Dwan Mathis argument should be shut down immediately because of how he looked. I disagree. Still, I disagree. Still, like if if you watched that game yesterday and your takeaway was. Stetson Bennett is our guy. He's the best option. You're still blind to, to what's going on. I think on. though that it
0: justified the the people who were saying Juan Mathis absolutely needs to be in when he struggled like he did, which he I, did. Look, sure,
1: you know what? Listen, I'll tell you what. Here's here's one thing that happened. Was, sure, he struggled. He struggled against Florida and their defense when they were down by twenty effing points and all that kind of, <laughs> of. He, god dang it, he he struggled against that that defense. So did Stetson Bennett. Sets of minute started out two for three, oh, and it was like yeah. two of eight, like two of eight in the rest of the game. So it wasn't like like to put that on Mathis and like some very weird, misguided like, yeah, we can't have him in because he looks so bad, dude. The guy you had in for three quarters and should have already been pulled, he also looked bad. Oh, and by the way, he looked bad the week before, and and again the week before that. Like Dewan Mathis made a play in the third quarter of this game when he came in. They they ran the ball on first down to make it short yards and manageable. It was like second and four or something like that, right? Next play he rolls out right cuz he's being pressured and he instead of throwing the ball away tucks it tucks it down and runs out of bounds for like a 4 or 5 yard loss. You know why that kind of play happens? Cuz you have no effing game experience and you don't know in that moment, "Oh yeah, my my immediate reaction is to be throw the ball away." Cuz Kirby doesn't do that. Like I like I'm going to start yelling cuz it makes me so mad. Like he does he does nothing to prepare for for what has now become the inevitable, but he does nothing to prepare for like a backup. He does nothing to to get those guys reps. He he is completely mismanages quarterback situation. He, like and I don't care if you don't think Dwan Math. If you don't think Dwan Math is the answer, fine. Stetson Bennett the fourth is not the answer. Put J T. Daniels in there. Roll his ass out there with one leg if you have to. But figure it out and like because somebody else needs to be the quarterback. Make it a competition. This is stupid.
0: Here's my question. Hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, and Georgia I'm, didn't have the. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna j- justify the the Bennett over Mathis thing. Yeah, kind of deviating from that. What's the point of JT Daniels being eligible? What was the point of getting him Thank that you. immediate eligibility? If you're you have him cleared, he's in pads. He's in. A, he's in a uniform. He's not considered right. limited or anything like that. Won't scare. Him. <laughs> What in the world is the point of having him out there right now? When we're talking about somebody who is in year three, he has that power five experience, and all he's doing is sitting there on the bench, relegated to this role as like, oh, he's there, but basically he's there in spirit and not in actuality. I don't, I there's something more there that we are clearly not privy to that type of information.
1: Yeah, you know, what, you know, what it reminds me too, and, and we'll we'll move on to this one here in a minute, but like. Yesterday, Tennessee finally puts in Harrison Bailey and puts in Brian Mauer. Oh, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. And and they go in and they ran the ball three straight times. It, it was like it was like that, but on like a bigger scale. And it's like, why why did we like like I'm not saying that Kirby Smart doesn't see whatever he sees in practice? What I'm saying is in, in real time in these games, you saw it against Bama, where where he hit a wall, sets so hit a wall. And they were no longer able to be in contention for that game with him at quarterback. You saw him against Kentucky, where you didn't give that many opportunities, but like he wasn't looking great, throwing more interceptions. Like and he's had multiple interceptions in his last three games, right? Or yesterday S- Mathis had two. Um, Bennett
0: was the quarterback in the SEC who went the longest into the deepest into the season without an interception. And ever since that Bama game, it's just been pick after pick right. after pick.
1: So so you have him in this game, and, and again, you like, I, I don't care what he saw in practice. I don't. And the reason I don't care what he saw in practice is this. If you are watching practice, I guarantee you that the the five days leading up to this game, the 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 setup for whatever your scrimmages were, or for whatever your practice was, wasn't, hey, by the way, we're down 20, uh, so we're going to run all of our plays like that. In real time in a game where you have to make adjustments, yeah. the quarterback you've trotted out there is losing by 20 points, and you're playing a, an offense that is showing... Very small signs that they're ever like very limited signs they're going to slow down at all. They put it on you over and over and over again, so you have to play catch up. And the guy you have out there is not getting it done. I'm not blaming this on Munkin because there was times where he had people like receivers running free bet, and, and, and bent it over and through him. Yep. I, and I know that Mathis did it too. I know he did. But the fact is, if like, what's the definition of insanity? The same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. I I, I would be so tired. I'm not a fan of Georgia, and I'm tired of watching. You be down by, by double digits after having a double digit lead. I said. And then having the same quarterback go out there and look like I just it's ridiculous.
0: There was uh one of my one of my neighbors, um, and for the meantime before we move, uh he's a Florida fan and he was taking his dogs out at halftime during the game and yeah. stuff, takes them out to like the you know, like the little tennis court that we have over here. Yeah. And I was talking to him for a minute, he's a big Florida fan. I'm like Georgia has no chance in this game right now with their personnel. And no. there's not a quarterback option that they can turn to to come out and win this game. And that's a problem. And it's good for Florida because they can yeah. kind of pin their ears back, and sure enough, that's what they did.
1: Oh, can I say real quick, too, to Florida fans? I was wrong about um, saying that I wanted to face you in the ST Championship game. We'll talk about it We'll later. talk about it on Sunday. Apologies. <laughs> yeah.
0: Arkansas storms back against Tennessee, a game in which Tennessee led 13 to nothing. 13 to nothing. what the hell happened? Um, Garantano looked fine. Eric Gray was rolling. And then it was, I believe it was DeAndre Johnson who faked the injury. The injury fake. Karma. That, oh man, Tennessee fans, after that, they're like, oh man, that's that's it right there. They're never going to score another point. It was all done there for, for Tennessee. Arkansas scored 24 unanswered points, all of which came in the third quarter. Garantano didn't return after this awkward fall on his head, so... Brian Maurer comes in and does nothing, but the bizarre thing that happened during that, as we learned from our buddies SEC Network's finest, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole like, they were talking about how on when they were when they were doing their, their pregame uh, all their pregame prep and stuff like that, Jeremy Pruitt said that Harrison Bailey wasn't playing. Because, you know, there was this fear about throwing a freshman into the fire. And he worried that Harrison Bailey would follow the same pattern that Jared Garantano did. And then Harrison Bailey, of course, comes into the game in the middle of the fourth quarter when it's 24-13. to This Arkansas defense is clicking on all cylinders. And you're just like... What in the world is going through Jeremy Pruitt's head? If that is yeah. an actual th- – if that is how he actually feels, then that just tells me Jeremy Pruitt hasn't paid attention to college football in the last five years. And seeing that true yeah. freshman starting in the SEC, starting across Power 5, isn't a thing right now that should be holding you back. And I understand it's a pandemic, it's a weird offseason, all that. But, like, we're, we're in the middle of November now, or we're going to be in the middle of November very soon – Yep. What what in the world is the point if you don't feel like you can develop a quarterback in that amount of time?
1: That this one is honestly more concerning because we talked about the, the comments he had about how we had a freshman scrimmage and we found twenty five guys that can play. And I was like, what do you mean you like you found like I found change in between the couch cushions before, like I, like sick brag. So, thank you, <laughs> all quarters, bro. You don't even get it. <laughs> what? Uh But it's like, how do you even? Like, like, what do you mean you found 25 players? Like, if you ran scout team and effing Rudy showed up and he was like, man, this kid's a monster, dude. Like, he makes tackles all over the place. He's going to end up being a, a four-year letterman and, and we're going to slap a, a C on his jersey. Like, wh- Like, whatever. But, like, you don't find 25 guys that can contribute during the season. That's just bad coaching. And, and the stuff with quarterback, Garantano... I don't. I didn't think he looked
0: bad. Uh he was he was somewhat ineffective. Arkansas fans, I promise, yeah. we're going to give you your love that you need here. I, oh I yeah, promise. without a doubt. There was plenty of yeah. credit coming um, Arkansas's way, but you, you're right. I mean, and at, at the time they didn't even know on the broadcast when he went out because it was like Brian Maurer's yeah. coming in all of a sudden, and it took Cole Cubelic getting the explanation of oh Garantano went out when he had that weird head injury when he la- he took like yeah. an awkward landing and they took him to the locker room for a concussion. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I, I just I I thought that when you have a lead like this, and and again, like I, it just looks from like a, a situational standpoint, it, like you, you just aren't doing things to try to win games. There's a it's, I feel like I'm seeing that a lot this year. Yeah, like in, in coaching, you're, you're you're and maybe maybe I'm overreacting for one. That could easily be the case because it happens all the time. Maybe the other answers is two that coaches are so cognizant now of knowing that the perception is reality and knowing that they have to keep up these appearances to at least look like like they're putting up a fight so because at the end of the year people aren't going to dissect game by game like we do every week and and like if you're in a meeting to keep your job or not they're gonna look at scores they're gonna look at numbers they're gonna they're gonna whatever so maybe maybe this is like constantly trying to not look worse I guess I don't know but there's there's not a lot of there's been several times this season where I've, I've watched these coaches Pruitt will Muschamp especially um just play to not win that's the comp just right play, there. you have to lose worse
0: that's the comp and Pruitt is doing very Muschamp things like a guy who is in a big time program who is yep. making very costly bizarre in-game coaching moves and looks like someone who hasn't had that group of five place where he could mess up and not have everybody talk about it and make a big deal about how he handled the quarterback situation. Jeremy Pruitt's never had to handle a quarterback situation until he got to Tennessee. This is a first form, and in my opinion, he's failed that test. And I think that you look at what happened on Saturday, and that explanation, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, those Will Muschamp comps? They're starting to look more and more legit with the way that he believes quarterbacks should be managed. Man, that's yeah. that's a disastrous situation. If you went into the bye week, that's the other thing. You went into the bye week and you basically right. you said we went through this like it was fall camp. We gave these guys equal reps. And you right. still came out of it thinking that Jared Garantano was your best option, despite the fact that Barry Odom had all the film oh. in the world and he made the perfect adjustments to be able to shut him down, especially when it looked like their running game was going to be able to take over. Their passing game was totally ineffective. I mean totally ineffective.
1: I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put that on like wouldn't put that all on Jared Garantano. I, I put that a lot on on what's the fat coordinator's name? Why well, We're talking right Cheney. We're talking Jim Cheney. Chaney, yeah, I was going to say Chane Gailey. I knew that was wrong. Just big bones, um, yeah, big bones. Jim Chaney, yeah, <laughs> very big bones. Um, Jim Chaney, like, like, I mean, if you're 5 of 8, I get it. But, like, 5 of 8 for 42 yards where you're averaging 5 five. They didn't ask him to do ends. much.
0: They really didn't.
1: No, and, and I think that, like, it, it was good to see, like, the, the run game. Like, I remember I clicked over this game at some point, and I was telling Allie, I was like, oh, God. Because, like, I think she put the election stuff on, I had to go to the other room, which was a whole other thing. And, uh and I'm sitting there and they like I the first thing I heard was Tennessee runs the ball again it's their it's their 17th run on 21 total plays in the first half A great 19 you rushes the,
0: in the first half
1: yeah if you want to, if you want to run the football that's fine like I mean like you know it, that, I totally get that part but the mismanagement of quarterback I, it, there's at some point you have to look at this like it, like it's it's like almost like the opposite it's 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 different than the Georgia thing because it's like all right Kirby keeps trying out sets and Bennett, and sets and Bennett can't make these throws. We've watched Jerry Garantano throw some dimes, like, against Bama, against Georgia. We've also seen him throw some dimes to the other team that are really, really bad. Just too so catchable I get of a football fact, that he throws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't want him in there, that's fine. But if you're going to bring in, like, a spark plug, and you're going to bring in more Mauer or whatever, and you're going to bring in... Who's uh, going to call Mauer? It's not Mauer. It's it's Mauer. I I've said Maurer the first time. Okay, good. Um, but if you bring in Maurer or you bring in Bailey, if you're still running the same, like, crappy offense and play calling and, and, like, from, like, a, like a schematic standpoint, nothing's going to change. It's almost like it's not, it's not like they're putting – like, if you're, if you're putting in a new guy to run the same crappy plays that haven't been working, like, it, like unless it's guaranteed of throwing it directly to Arkansas or whoever else – whatever defense they're playing – the the change doesn't have to only be the guy. It's got to be like, all right, well, this guy can do this, right? Why don't we switch up some of these play calls? It's almost
0: like Pruitt is afraid to lose his quarterback room, and he's like, what? What's he's, <laughs> he's afraid of the the potential ramifications of starting a true freshman quarterback? That's that's what it feels like at this point with the way that he has treated this whole I can thing. I see that.
1: Um, well, he, he was a high school coach a decade ago, and, and like you think about that. High school. You not have me a a, a freshman. You won't have a. Fr- he was a he was a defensive backs coach on TV. I'll say, I'll say that. He was defensive coordinator, um, wasn't he? When that show first aired, I don't believe he was the, the defensive coordinator. I thought he was defensive coordinator. I don't think Proch, sure I don't think Pro was doing he, that. I mean, I just think there might have been somebody else on staff. I don't know, but regardless, it's like, like he, he doesn't have. You're right. Like this is his first time having to do this. It's bad. And it's not. It's not been good. He's lost four
0: straight, all by double digits. Remaining schedule: A and M, Auburn, Vandy, <laughs> then Florida. I look at that and I'm like, that is a three and seven or four and six team at best. And remember, uh, that remember is remember like
1: a month ago when people like Feinbaum were like, Jeremy Pruitt should be the next coach at Alabama. Yikes. Uh, that that is
0: quickly <laughs> falling off. Uh, he's gonna be on every hot seat list in America this offseason. There's yeah. there's no doubt in my mind at the at the rate that they're heading. How about Arkansas, though? Because yeah. I said coming into this year that if Sam Pittman won three games, he'd be my SEC coach of the year. Sam Pittman has three wins. He should have four. He is my SEC coach of the year, and you can't talk me off of it. I don't care if they lose the rest of their games. What they have done is remarkable. He should be 4-2 and two right now with losses yeah. to Georgia and A&M. Like, that's it. He should be ranked. For, for Arkansas. That is an yeah. unbelievable thought. Those halftime adjustments, you know, everything. Everything.
1: And it. And it, listen, and I was reminded so, so adamantly last night uh, from Florida fans especially about how just how wrong I was. I was reminded from Georgia fans just how dumb I was from some of them about how the Stetson Bennett stuff and how Matt's has very good. I, I just, there's somebody, there was, who was it, Connor, that said at the start of the season, Arkansas was going to be better than people thought and they were going to get at least three wins. Who, there was like... He used to be. He used to be really attractive. He had a good, strong, like, strong jawline. But now he's a gluttonous fat ass. I think. Like, who? Who was it?
0: Just throwing around. It the, was the G me. Word. <laughs> throwing around the G word a lot these
1: days. I didn't throw it out last time. I, I just like. I am gonna pat myself on the back because of all the scrutiny and other stuff. But this was like. I I didn't expect, the three to come in the first six games necessarily. Um, they they they've been remarkable to watch, and, it, and now you're starting to see. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're. I mean, like. Like they're fun. They're not fun. Um, like it's not like a high flying offense. They just—they're a good football team. What? I mean, I
0: think they do some things that Felipe, the throw that he made to Traylon Burks. There are a handful of guys in the country who can make a mm-hmm. throw like that and are who are capable of delivering a random moment like that where you're like, "Holy crap! Yeah. Oh, this is this is this feels like NFL type stuff that I'm yeah. watching right now." So that's the only place that I, I'm, that I'm I push saying back like
1: on fun like. We're not going to watch them like we're going to watch. Four, the, yeah, they're not gonna, an like, Ole Miss offense they, they, or something like that. Right, yeah. but but they, we've seen them shut out Ole Miss's uh, offense, and we've seen for them sure. play like just phenomenal defense. They're like, here's the thing, and I think this is honestly the best compliment you can give a team like Arkansas. Arkansas is not like flashy, f- like uh, like for sixty minutes. Blue on collar, offense. blue collar. They're they're not like Arkansas is just a good football team. Like like. Like, and I honestly, I think that's the best compliment you can give somebody, especially in a year like this with like a first year coach. Arkansas is a good football team. And we watched them be the butt of the joke for years in the SEC. And, and now Pittman has quickly turned around. And it's, it's awesome to watch. It's awesome. There is a
0: mentality with this team that is so noticeably different. And of course, everybody has fun when they're winning, but the ways in which they get it going. That's a point yeah. last night in a game We're down 13-0, there is a 0% chance during the Chad Morris era that that team comes back, that that team has faith in the coaching staff to put them in the right spots, and all of a sudden it turns into everybody kind of doing their own thing they don't play as a unit. Last night down 13-0, all we saw was that team come together, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, where it really looked like okay, we know that Barry Odom's going to put us in the right spots. We know that we're going to yep. have this thing figured out. We're going to start teeing off on this Tennessee offense who we have totally figured out at this point. And sure enough, that's what they did. And they they are so – they're like the perfect example of what it looks like to truly buy into a head coach yeah. and their coaching staff. And it's it's fun to watch. And this team plays with a toughness that I did not think that we would see. And passion. Yeah, toughness, passion. I mean, the, the line that Cole Kubiak had, Traylon Burks – Kills hogs with a knife, like yeah. I mean, that's a little bit, a little bit on the graphic side. I didn't necessarily grow up. With I saw that.
1: that several times on my social media timelines last night, and it was it was about- a great moment on the broadcast. I'll say
0: that, but like that's 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 part of this belief of like this Arkansas team. I think is is unique. I think that they are totally on board with this new this new identity that they have, and not necessarily concerned about. You know whatever failures yeah. that they have. This isn't a team that they came into the year feeling sorry for itself. And there are so many teams across college football that do that when they experience turmoil like what Arkansas yep. did, and with a new coaching staff. I can't I can't tip my hat enough to what this Arkansas team has been able to do.
1: It's it really is. I think what's what's fun for me to watch is, you know, and I hate to harp on this one, dude, because they're they're just different. They're just different, but. You remember Jeremy Pruitt's first season when he was, like, all frustrated all the time and just – just it was refreshing to an extent because he was calling out the team for their shortcomings, and but we saw him, like, kick the whiteboard on the sideline and we saw him, like, get all frustrated. Every time I've ever seen Sam Pittman go into a, a huddle with that team or, or, like, go into, like, a moment with his teammates, it always gives me this, like, <laughs> like warm and fuzzy feeling of just, like, man, that guy, that guy's a guy you want to play for. Like like that guy that guy builds you up, he believes in you, he makes you better than you are. Like I mean, like Felipe Franks is better than we gave him credit for. I will Can say. Can we talk that about Felipe? Sure. Can
0: we talk about Felipe
1: real quick? Not when I'm done talk about. Sam. Yeah, sure, <laughs> absolutely. So, but like Connor, you don't cut me off. Like that's I that's my role on the podcast. I, I do it all the time. Um, no, but so like I I, think, I just think that Pittman is like like I loved my college coach and he he taught me so much about. Like you know, being a man and growing up and doing all these different things, and he was, but he was really tough-nosed, and he wasn't necessarily the guy that's gonna put his arm around you. It's like like Bear Bryant used to always say, "There's some guys you got to put your arm around, and there's some guys you got to kick in the ass." And and I just, Sam Pippen is a guy that every single time I see him talk or or, or interact with his players, I just think, God, I'd want to play for that guy. For sure, he just he just gets it, man. He just gets it.
0: There are three guys right now, three probably the top five candidates for National Coach of the Year. Sam Pittman's one
1: of them. Saban. <laughs>
0: Pittman's definitely one of them. I'd argue. Yeah. And I'm going to sound really biased here. Tom Allen in Indiana. At 3-0 right now is probably one of them as well. And he, Who did they play week one? Week, Penn State. They played Penn State week one, Rutgers week two, and then uh, Michigan was yeah. this past weekend. And then... Probably Hugh Freeze, as one of those those guys. (laughs) And there are gonna be people who are gonna laugh at that. But I I was reminded this week, because I I was on probably two hours worth of conference calls from Liberty. Yeah, that's right, doing that Malik Willis story. And I was reminded this weekend something that I've kind of forgotten about amidst this like Hugh Freeze kind of fallout. Just how much of a player's coach he is, and how he is a he totally raised. yeah he is a totally different yeah. mindset than even someone like Gus Malzahn, where Malik Willis was talking about that. How Gus is like totally intense and like that's not to say Gus isn't a player's coach or anything, but Hugh is much more of a relaxed kind of low key players yeah. coach and a guy that people obviously love playing for, and he's won right. everywhere that he's been. So what I'm trying to say is like these players coaches. Who have this mentality of like, hey, even when it's not going well, their team still likes them. It doesn't feel like they they hate this yeah. head coach, even when things are, are kind of in the crapper. And you see that yeah. with Pittman, yeah. Allen, and Freeze, all those guys.
1: I will say, and Allen is also a really great, likable coach. Um, just kind of touching on this, and we'll, like we don't have to go off on the, the tangent about it, but like um, Pittman. Pit, like, Pittman has probably been aided a little bit with the fact that everyone hated Chad Moore so much. And the
0: fact that actually, and this is going to be an unpopular take, Chad Moore signed a really good recruiting class in his one full year, which is kind yeah. of lost in the shuffle amidst his crappiness. It, but
1: but regardless, it's, you talk about those guys, and, like, you're right, they, they all do have a factor. Like, like, I'm sure people like playing for Saban, but there's, like, I, I've said this a thousand times. Like, I, I wouldn't want to play for Saban. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge Alabama fan. I would much rather play for, for a guy like Pittman or a guy like Hugh Freeze. And not just because of strip clubs and, and burner phones. I, just because, like, you know, I, I think that, like, like, we need to all get on board with this. And I, and I know it was probably unfair to think of, like, giving him an offensive coordinator job a couple of years ago. And I think now, if you really think about it, it's because it would have been a disservice to him. He deserves to be a head coach. Hugh Freeze deserves to get the next big job. Like, he, I, I fully believe he deserves to get the next big job. He got himself in trouble doing stuff. Now, he was doing it more and more, like, more blatant and, and, and more egregious than, than places, and he got himself caught. But he was doing stuff that everyone else does, kind of.
0: Can we talk about, okay, so that kind of fuels our next topic of conversation. And I guess we'll, we'll talk about Felipe a little bit more when we talk about the, the, the Florida yeah. reunion later on when we guess the spreads. South Carolina gets absolutely stomped at home against Texas A&M. Texas A&M team that absolutely looks like it has turned the corner. Fire Moss champ, chance breakout at williams Bryce. In the game. In the game, bad. 21 to nothing at halftime, awful look. A&M did whatever it wanted. You get a bye week, and your team comes out, and you get smashed like that. You come out that flat. Top 10 team, at home, at night, coming off the bye. That's terrible. So, of course, every South Carolina fan, and I totally— Totally get it at this point. I totally get yeah. it. Is like, hey,
1: Hugh Freeze would be nice there right now. Go. Hugh Freeze would be nice, dude. Hugh Freeze would be perfect for that job. And, and, and I'm not. I'm not saying this because I'm. I don't think I'm saying this because I'm. I'm caught up in a uh, in in like recency bias here. But what it takes to win at that job. Don't turn your hat backwards. No, I'm just. Like saying, I'm. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not gonna I'm leave like, it. I'm <laughs> not gonna, You have your
0: hat backwards right now. What are you talking about? I, I know. Gonna it's so leave cool, it
1: like dude. You, you guys wouldn't even get it. Hang ten. Whatever. Hang loose. I don't know. Scratch my head. Um, Anyway, so, so, but, like, but what it takes to win in a place like South Carolina is something different. Like, I know Steve Spurrier did what Steve Spurrier did there because it's Steve Spurrier. But the bottom line is you need somebody that's that's going to be able to recruit well, but that's not, like, what makes the team great. Like, I know Hugh Freeze had good recruiting classes at Ole Miss and all that kind of stuff, but look what he's doing at Liberty. You, like you said, he's been successful anywhere he's went. He ne- you need somebody in there that is going to bring a unique – approach to not just coaching but offense what you're going to do in terms of how you recruit the players you get like because because the bottom line is you're not going to out recruit clemson right you need somebody that's going to out coach and and, 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 and I, I, think I think Hugh freeze who, can do that <laughs> i think i i do too and i do too
0: i have been very much of the belief that as long as Ole miss was on probation that there was nothing yeah. that hugh freeze was going to be able to do to get a job in the sec we know that. That there were lots of programs, including Alabama, who wanted to Freeze yeah. to be offensive coordinator, and it would have made a lot of sense. Greg Sankey, at the same time, I, and I, I agreed with this decision to put your foot down and say, "Hey, it'd be a bad look if we let you be a coordinator in this conference, knowing right. that another another What's team, happening? another team that's on probation is yeah, uh, you you would be you would be potentially leading a team to to a bowl game while another t- the team that you put on probation, you know, you could be playing against them." I think right. that that now is a different conversation. And that's what because I had people, I threw this out when Barrett Lee tweeted about, um, like, uh, Hugh Freeze, next coach. I can't remember where he said he'd be the next coach at, but I said South Carolina makes the, makes more sense to me, mm-hmm. even though I've kind of already quietly given that job to Billy Napier. I think Hugh Freeze makes more sense in what he'd be able oh, to do. Oh, it would
1: be a much better hire Billy Napier. He would
0: be. And Hugh Freeze, in the way that he schemes, if you watched any of that game against Virginia Tech, I know we make the Malik Willis jokes all the time, like, Hugh Freeze can still scheme in ways that is yeah. just ridiculous. Like, there's a reason that this team, that, that his team right now at Liberty, which is in year three as an FBS program, is in the top twenty-five and has beat two has beat two ACC yep. teams this year. So, like. I actually kind of, while while this is still going to come down to whether or not Ray Tanner is going to want to pay a $13 million buyout amidst a pandemic hey, and all that Ray stuff. Ray
1: Tanner, get him out of there too. Uh,
0: yeah, that's what this would have to be able to come down to, is whether or not these boosters are going to want to pull the trigger. If it gets to this point, that's so bad. Because if you remember, just a few weeks ago, we are talking about this team potentially turning the corner. They had just beaten Auburn. Yeah. Everybody's feeling good. But now maybe three winnable games left on that schedule. And if this does end up turning into a two and eight type of season, yes, South Carolina fans are going to say Hugh Freeze is at the top of the list. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with them. Yeah. Um, Anna driver seat, man. We talked about the road woes coming into 2020 two SEC road wins, true road wins, Yeah. man. I'll tell you, that Florida win, too, helps their playoff chances. Florida beating Georgia, by the way, yeah. kind of lost in the shuffle. But I have not seen an AM team on the road like that especially just take what it wants. Just take what it wants. Yeah. Say there's nothing that you're going to be able to do to stop us. It didn't matter that Isaiah Spiller went out kind of early in the second half of that game Whoa. after he got off to a really good start. And Aniah Smith, I think, only ended up with four touches in that game. Still got into the end zone because that's what he does. But, like... A&M is just different, man. They're just different. There's no way around it.
1: My biggest regrets from this week. I gave myself too much time in between Danny DeVito making our our staff picks, graphic, and allowing me to sit there and overthink the picks. So I wrote that damn article, and I was like, yeah, Vandy's going to cover 20 points because that's ridiculous. And then I was like, "Also, A and M is going to destroy South Carolina." And then I went back on both those things. Mm. What we saw yesterday from AM was awesome. And I want—I want to I propose something here, Connor. Nobody cares about Mississippi State. I love Sarthak. I like. I can we not talk about that game and instead can we talk about playoff the the playoff situation that is now? I open? wanted to hit on
0: one one comment that Leach made post game, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, and then we're gonna go. Can we talk? We, about playoffs? We
0: talk about playoffs? Huh?
1: Sure. Okay, so and because it, it, it has everything to do with A and Oh, okay. And I'm, I I'm not going to talk about South Carolina because I don't really care. Um, and and uh, we've already like like South Carolina reminds me of um, my ex, and, and here's why: because I've said this to, to uh, my boy um, Beard Tomato always, Chris Phillips, and I, and it's just like they're they're more toxic. Like being a, a Carolina fan is like more toxic than than like an ex, right? And because but like. I remember going through stuff like when you're going through a breakup and this has to be how South Carolina feels like if you've ever been in a breakup where it's like a long breakup where you guys are like, you just you're mad and you're telling your friends like, you this know, is, it's this over. Right. And this, yeah, you know, it's over, but you're like you're and you're and you're you're complaining about it and bringing up all these points to, to help you like feel validated it, and then you go back to them. And then and then it's got to be like your friends have to like mm. kind of like girls that go through this all the time especially but then you have to like kind of flip that switch back like, oh yeah okay great she's coming back cool like and i remember at one point my friends actually telling me i don't want to hear you talk about your ex anymore i'm not going to listen to it you can talk to somebody else about it because I, I just hope that you like finally do the right thing and break up with her like like my, it was so bad my friends refused to listen to me talk about it because they had already heard it over and over and over again, and they they didn't want to entertain it anymore. To hope that I would learn to break up with them. Break up with Will Muschamp, dude. <laughs> like just like I don't care what the buyout is. I like easy for us to you say. You were yeah. gonna be no, uh, but like the money's not, dude. Like if you don't think South Carolina has thirteen million dollars laying around, they do, they do. Like like just flat out money is. I don't care unless it's like a Gus Malzahn thing with the forty nine million money is not as big of an obstacle as we make it out to be if you want to be like smart about finances sure in the world of college football that doesn't matter like like
0: you this year's different though that's 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 the only thing that the, that we have to remember during this is that while well, that that's going to frustrate South Carolina fans or if there's any fan base who would love to be able to fire their coach but it's like crap well we have this eight figure buyout that we can't afford right now when we have matter. all these cuts but it but, but it does matter it. but what well, we don't we don't officially it. know that until they actually come From out Hunter, they
1: are a major university in in america in and i know who's making I budget cuts across the board
0: have, that's all the only I point i guarantee
1: you they have 13 million dollars I, I get you know what i'll tell you what I, this is not and they're not even crazy boosters i guarantee you if you said hey we would like to do this. And you talk to your boosters, like like the back behind the scenes stuff, you know that happens. Listen, dude, you realize that Auburn, Auburn had like factored into their coaches. Terry Bowden, talk to your boy Tuberville about it. Terry boy. Bowden and Tommy Tuberville. My boy. Like, like hold on. Th- those two guys, there was a stipulation in those actual contracts. Bobby Ladder addressed all of this, that once you were let go at, at Auburn, you got part of a payout, but you weren't allowed to talk about any of your dealings with the, the people that paid you money there. And, and your time at Auburn, like like from, from a leaving standpoint, at all, like they, they factored in hush money to Terry Bowden. And this is all like, like, it's worth a Google. It's worth a Google. But like, I guarantee you, if you went and met up with like your your biggest boosters and you're like, hey, listen, we probably shouldn't have spent a million dollars in that stupid oversized uh, cock statue we put out front, but here's the deal. We need some money to help like us not have to pay the all 13 million how much would we be willing to donate or how much can we crowdfund to get him out of here how much is it worth to you guys to see a difference and we'll figure out a way to pay you guys back on the back end i guarantee you they would raise that half of that money in a week
0: it depends how dire the situation gets and i know that's not a popular thing to say sunday morning (laughs) i figure like this (laughs) i I, I get it i totally get it i think this year we see a couple and i'm not saying south carolina is going to be one of them i'm not saying that they're automatically going to hold on to one champ. But I'm saying it is something that is impacting these college athletic departments. That's all. All right, real quick, I want to talk about this. You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that. I banged the drum for Hugh Freeze, the South Carolina coach. So logical. Yeah. I hate it. Um, anyway, moving on. Mike Leach, the postgame comments that he makes after his team beats Vandy Ben's by there. a touchdown. Um, th- these these uh, this quote was transcribed by Ben Portnoy of Dispatch. Shout out, fellow Indiana University grad as well. Um, Leach is asked about the lackluster offense and he kind of gets into this little mini rant about fan expectations. And he, he, he went into this like three part rant where he comes out and he says, you know, people are kind of being impatient with this team. And he, he says like, you know, Mississippi State fans are great, blah, 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 you know, appreciate all the support and all that. But he said, you know, the people who are impatient, they can go find another team and see how it works out. And they can, you know, you can go criticize their team. In other Here words, <laughs> Leach Leach hears the noise, but mm-hmm. he he doesn't care. And to a certain extent, should have known that was going to happen. Exactly. And I kind of I, I I understand all parties to a certain extent on this. I understand kind of why Leach is coming out after that game and saying, "Look, you guys might not have realized this, but I actually wasn't brought in for some year one flip. And if you thought yeah. that was going to happen, you are impatient." And right. I've now gotten to the point with Mississippi State, especially after they beat a Vandy team with 58 scholarship players by a touchdown, and they actually had a potential mm-hmm. go a potential go ahead drive, but it turned into this game changing fumble deep in their own territory, and then Mississippi State scores touchdown to get a touchdown, take a ten point lead. Uh-huh. Mississippi State, just forget about this year, man. Just forget about this year. Yeah. Mississippi State fans, close your eyes. And just wake up when this season's over because it's not going to bring you anything more but frustration because this team still doesn't have the personnel to be able to execute this system, and that's not changing this year. It's just not.
1: Frustration and pain, Connor. It's just going to be so much pain. By the ah. way, up – <laughs> <laughs> It's been a
0: while since we've heard that. Been a hot minute. It's so much, yeah. yeah. Uh, up next for um, Mississippi State, by the but, way, Kevin Steele's defense, then Kirby Smart's defense. That'll be fun.
1: Cool. Yeah. So here's my thing about all this. All right. Um, I – I don't like, like. Like you should know this is going to happen. He's he's going to end up doing. I love that we're here already. I love that we are here for this part of him being the a hole coach. Um, where that was the question. Like, yeah, How is like he like, handle like this? <laughs> right? And, and so, and he's right. You're uh, he's right to an extent, and what he said isn't wrong or offensive it's like i mean like he <laughs> he should have it's like sometimes i feel like like when i'm like insulted online and somebody would be like you idiot you said this i'm like oh just stick around like it's gonna get way worse like i'll say a lot more dumb and offensive things but at the same time like when you look at it, mike leach the writing was on the wall for the first year you, and you nailed that like like he he's like he's struggled in his first year places that, that's i mean it's whatever I, I think my biggest concern comes from like running some of the players off. And, and I, I yesterday was an incredible moment that I waited for all offseason. And it was something that I wanted to see. And I, I said over and over again, I was like, I cannot wait to see this happen and I'm going to cry when it does. Because for the first time in my life, we get to see in the deep south a new flag in the state of Mississippi. And I don't, like, I know we talk about not getting into politics. I don't feel like this is politics. I feel like if you're upset about the Confederate flag, we probably just don't have stuff in common. And that's fine. But, like, I I really wanted to watch Kylan Hill run out of that tunnel, holding that flag, and and I, and he was whether you like Kylan Hill or not, whether you agree with what happened or not, there's no way to argue that he was he was not the guy. He was I mean he was the guy that sparked all that change. Kylan Hill was, and it's just it was just really cool and a, and a cool moment in sports in my opinion that you see somebody that has that largely of an impact in a whole state that that hasn't really changed for two hundred something years, and I I hate that. I'm gonna project here. But I hate that Mike Leach kind of took that like a little bit. You know what I mean? It was cool to still see it happen. It really was. But it was like, man, Mike Leach is at like his his personality has really kind of driven like a divide yeah. between some of those players. And I know it's illogical and, and irrational to blame him, like that. I'm not really upset about him that Kylan Hill didn't get to run it out there because of him. I just hate that like this is a this is a factor of Mike Leach being your coach. Yeah. Is, Divide with some of the players not getting along. Like I mean, we've seen it playing out everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I just you know, but it, it's still a really cool moment yesterday, like a really really cool moment. Let's talk playoff stuff. Let's talk playoff stuff because
0: A and M is definitely becoming more and more interesting. And I think watching last night and the way that things played out with with Clemson and Notre Dame, for those who did not stay up late to be able to watch that double <gasps> overtime game. Um, I'm looking at you, Chris Marler. I'm looking yeah, at I you. know. Yeah. Um, it was a great game. It was a great game. And, yeah. you know, we, we knew that it wasn't going to have the same sort of feel without Trevor Lawrence, which there's definitely something to be said for that. This, in many ways, felt like, a preview for the ACC championship. Obviously, those are the two best teams in the ACC. There's not really much of a debate, in my opinion. And I think that there's a case Notre Dame, right now, with the longest active winning streak in all of college football, is currently sitting there having just beat a Clemson team that still threw for a ton of yards in that game with DJ Uyangalale. It's pretty good, right? Uchi Wali Wali,
1: Uchi Bang Bang,
0: boom. Close, nailed it. Yep. Um, but I, I came away from that thinking, well, all right, that was a preview, and Notre Dame now has more playoff buzz. But at the same time, I still think this is all going to come down in the ACC championship. I'm not as bullish on the two ACC teams in the playoff as some are. I can see a path. I can definitely see a path, but I'm not quite there just because Lawrence the wasn't the year?
1: there. What did I say at the end of the year? That the ACC had I a said, better
0: chance at a two-team playoff bid than the SEC.
1: Thank you. And I will stand by it. I pray to God I'm wrong. I don't want to see it at all. Is that what you're praying about? And, and this is – I don't pray that much but yeah <laughs> so, Ble- bleep oh, that okay. for pastor okay. Patty soon <laughs> she knows uh um i, ta- I anyway I, I feel like like uh, real quick because uh, my mom actually brought this up a couple weeks ago she she's <laughs> she's talking about praying and i was like i don't think like i remember like dear lord i'm like hey what's up man like how the, how you been dude it's more like that um right. anyway so this is my this is my biggest fear in college football this year besides mac jones getting injured and that is if if you open the door for this, this could not have set up more perfectly. This could not have set, set up more If this was going to happen, this is
0: how it was going to start to look. Right. I agree.
1: Exactly. And, and, and so, now, I said like last week, A&M, they, there's a path to get there, but they really need the ACC not to split this Notre Dame and Clemson series. And and here's where I'm coming from this. I'm, I'm not removing I'm, I'm, – I'm removing a little bit of logic, but I'm also removing any doubt that, that – the, like the ACC won't split this game, right? Mm-hmm. And here's why. Ohio State's not getting beat. Ohio State's toughest game left on schedule was your own mother the uh, Indiana. <laughs> Ohio State's going
0: to be a, like a 21-point favorite in every game it has left.
1: Yeah. Ohio State's not getting beat. For whatever reason, on ESPN, they still have Wisconsin with the 5th best odds to the playoff. That's not happening because I don't know if they're going to oh, play. Wisconsin again. might not be
0: eligible to make it to a Big Ten championship.
1: Right. Penn State was ranked 7th. Going into yesterday, they were ranked 7th in the FPI, uh, the ESPN FPI, because despite being 0-2, they're now 0-3. Ohio State's not getting beat. Georgia – I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Bama is not getting beat the rest of the year, in my opinion. It could happen, but it would take a miracle. Um, And and they would have to get beat twice. Because if they lose and win out, it doesn't matter. Like, Bama has a game to lose in the SEC. Right, right. Right? Um, As long as they win the SEC championship. Florida. They're not losing the, in the regular season. A&M, in my opinion, the only chance they have of losing is Auburn. So you need chaos to happen because with Notre Dame beating Clemson, you have all the perfect built-in excuses for Clemson team in the media and, and playoff, playoff committee. Love a good Clemson team, okay? Like, I, I know that they were third going into the playoffs last year. It's because there were two teams ahead of them undefeated. And, and But, like, now you have Trevor Lawrence being out, right? Now he gets to come back. He, he was out they get there for to get to avenge games, a loss. And that's, yeah. Right. They get to avenge a loss. Now you also have Trevor Lawrence, who will be a Heisman finalist no matter what happens the rest of the season. He will be a Heisman finalist. They might have two Heisman finalists. They might have two Heisman finalists and a Heisman winner um, at the end of the season. On top of all the preseason expectations they might get healthy on defense and so you have all these easy ways for the playoff committee and and, and anyone making a case for Clemson be like man well they lost in double overtime on the road without their generational starting quarterback so so they if they win against notre dame obviously they were one of the best four teams the whole time and then you shift the the, bias, the, yeah. the microscope to yeah exactly exactly so now you shift the the the, the lens over here and, and put Notre Dame under a microscope, and you say, okay, let's think about this. Notre Dame, they went out of their way to join a conference. That's a, that's like like positive points right there for them. Then they beat Clemson in the regular season, regardless of who was injured. They they came from behind, double overtime win. You Use the same argument like against yourself, but you say in favor of Notre Dame. They were undefeated. Notre Dame's wrestled, unless Notre Dame loses to UNC. They're not getting beaten the rest of the regular season. The, re- the rest
0: of the regular season, they have three of their four regular season games that are left are, uh-huh. are on the road. On the road against yeah. ACC teams with winning records right now. Which yeah, that's right. It's not it's not a given, but given what we have seen from them, yes, uh-huh. they will be favored with Boston College coming up, and then UNC, and then home against Syracuse. That's a win, and then on the road against Wake Forest. It's worth. Remembering. They're
1: not losing the They're not losing to Wake Forest. Um, they, they will, Boston College will be close. It's the first one they play as Boston College. First one they play as UNC yeah. also has a week off before that game. As does um, in I believe. Eight, yeah. Right. It, it, okay, so so that, I, I, would, I could see that the path there for UNC possibly get upset. set, and every single person that's listening to this better be wearing your, your, your Tar Heel blue that day, because we're going to need it. Clemson, real quick, by the way, they're, the rest of their schedule, Virginia Tech, Wake. No, it's not Wake. I saw it last night. I, I think it's Pitt, Virginia Tech, and there's one more.
0: No. Florida State, no. Pitt, Virginia Tech. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I had two of them, two, so three. So anyway, they're they're not going to lose. Um. But, so back to Notre Dame. Everything I've ever seen from a Notre Dame team that starts getting this hype. They usually make it to the end of the year. They usually make it, like somehow unscathed. They they will beat Boston College by one point on on in overtime with Boston College going for two and not getting it. 2018, or 2012, Yeah. Right, exactly. And so so then you get to the ACC championship game. Notre Dame is undefeated. Somehow, probably ranked ahead of Clemson, okay? You lose that game. God forbid you lose by anything less than a touchdown because it's hard to beat a team twice, right? Like, it's hard to beat a team twice and they hit Trevor Lawrence back. There's no way that a committee or fans or polling experts or, or whatever else in the college world media and, the, and decision makers are going to look at a Notre Dame team and say, eh, they were eleven and one, but they and they lost to Clemson. But I, I, really think that two loss SEC team, Florida or Bama, should get in. Or I really think that that one, one loss A and M team that went in. I'm, yeah, I'm saying two loss if Florida loses to Bama, yeah. because I think Florida's better than Notre Dame. But they're not going to say that, and they're also going to be like, eh, I really think that 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 the that one loss A and M team that didn't even make it to the SEC championship game. I don't think that they're, they're better than Notre Dame. The only way this plays out for the SEC, in my opinion, and I hate to say it, is if Notre Dame loses, Bama runs the table and then loses close to Florida. And then they, they put Bama in with Florida. Like, that's, that's how it would have to happen. A&M, in my opinion, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, A&M's done. A&M, I, think, I think A&M's done already. Well, Notre Dame, Notre Dame
0: would get in and then Clemson would get left out, though. No, for what? Clemson would get left, because you said if Notre Dame goes undefeated,
1: that way they would beat Clemson. Oh, I meant the regular season, in okay. the regular season. Okay. Yeah, because like if they go undefeated, I feel, they're not going to beat Clemson twice. They're just not. So I, I think that if they go undefeated in the regular season, A&M's done.
0: A&M's rest of the schedule is interesting because Auburn oh, yeah. and LSU have been so up and down. We came into this year thinking that, that those were going to be – Huge games to tell us where AM is in year three. Dude, they get eight, they get LSU at home. Yeah, this the schedule is all of a sudden looking different than what we originally thought. The good news for AM, the Florida win keeps getting better. It keeps yeah. getting better. And the problem for A and M could be that, well, if the Bama loss had been by a touchdown, we're mm-hmm. I think we're having a little bit of a different conversation. But there's this But the the other side of
1: that is it was week two.
0: True, true. Don't get me wrong. I Yep. I think I think am has a path I think performances like what we saw last night against South Carolina where you you look truly the part of a playoff team if you are a team that's going to be considered one of the four best in the country that's what you do you, you smell yep. blood in the water and, and you pounce and that is that has been am's calling card pretty much since that Bama game in a way that I did not expect to see from this team, and if they can do that against Auburn and LSU, they're at least going to give themselves a chance. Again, they need some things to happen. That's that's the case for any team that's on the outside looking in, and you're not and you don't have that clear path no. to a conference championship.
1: I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm just I'm I'm very defeated on this, and I just don't I hate Notre Dame. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Fair enough. All right,
0: Sunday apologies. Let's let's crank up the music, Will. It is November. Eighth, November 9th, by the time that people are listening to this, that's okay. We are at a point in the year now where, you know what, we don't have this thing figured out. Like we're, you know, we're human beings. We try. We try. We do what we can, but at the end of the day, you know, we're we're still just trying to make everything everything work one week at a time. Felipe Franks, man. I thought it was gonna be a roller coaster. I did. I was all aboard the Felipe Franks Jameis Winston roller coaster. I was going to ride it anywhere it took me. As long as he was the starting quarterback for Arkansas, I was expecting loops, turns, upside down, maybe a little bit nauseous by the end of it. I feel fine. I feel great. I feel like going into this game against Florida, his big reunion, I'm like, Felipe Franks? That, that, that dude is a 13-to-1 TDI and T-ratio since the George game. Felipe Franks, the dude that's that's been able to stay upright for an Arkansas team that couldn't keep a quarterback healthy for the past two years during the Chad Morris era. Felipe Franks is legit. Felipe Franks right now is one of the top five quarterbacks in the SEC. And there's really not much of an argument against it unless you're holding on to this belief that he's the same guy he was during an up and down 2018. I don't think you can really say that there are five better quarterbacks in the SEC than him. So you know what? I was wrong. This has been a, a smooth little little country countryside Sunday stroll with Felipe Franks. It has not been a roller coaster. That's the only apology that I have left to make, and for Arkansas, because they, they messed up. All right. I'll make one more. It should just be to Arkansas fans in general, because throughout this year... I've been a little bit like, hey, you know, I think the wheels are going to kind of fall off. I think maybe at this point of the year when depth is an issue, Cole Kubelik said Arkansas doesn't even have nine defensive linemen yeah. who Barry Odom feels comfortable being able to roll out there. You question how that was going to look. Arkansas has covered this spread in every single game. <laughs> every single game. Yeah. Yet, for whatever reason, I picked Tennessee to cover. And I'm realizing week after week that Vegas hasn't caught up yet to this Arkansas yeah, right. thing. And I think I just kinda of need to blindly pick them to cover moving forward until they, they prove me wrong. But so I am sorry for ever doubting what I was saying, you know, a few weeks ago about Arkansas kinda of buying in and, and people still kinda of yep. sleeping on them. But Felipe Franks and Arkansas fans deserve deserve my full Sunday apologies. Oh god.
1: Where do we begin? Are you gonna actually apologize to someone yeah, or you're just gonna, gonna brag gonna about your gambling? Before. First, team. I want to apologize to all the people that stopped following me on social media this week because of uh, politics. Because you're going to miss out on they, so they many. They won't good hear memes. this anyways. they are going to miss out so, on so yeah. many good memes. Um, moving forward, Georgia fans, I want to start with you. And and here's the deal. Robbie Buffington, one of my closest friends, listens to the pod and said this to me last year. And he said, "You got you got to stop going out of your way to." To compliment Georgia fans, he's like, I don't know if you do it because you're worried that there's a big listenership for you guys or what. And it, listen, I fully believed. I, 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 had, I had talked myself into believing all the things I was saying about about Georgia. That I, 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 was texting people at halftime of the Bama game saying, "This is what the beginning of a dynasty looks like." Friends, friends, friends. I was texting friends and actually and actually said that. I was wrong. I was wrong about Kirby. I was wrong about your defense. I was wrong about winning a national championship this year. I was wrong about Stetson Bennett being average enough to get you to a national championship. I'm not saying any of this to, to put salt in the wound at all. I'm really not. I, I'm really not. But I'm just going to let all of you know right now that I apologize for ever making you think that this was different. Like, And, and, and I'm also going to apologize moving forward because I'm going to now be like more of my real self Unlike unlike this character, I'm I'm Andy Bernard. actually five nine. I'm actually going to be like mm. my real my real self from now on. And um, and I, it's true now. Yeah, it's true. It's true no, no, I'm not going to call you that. Um, and I'm just going to, uh, I think, call things the way I see it more, and uh, and just treat you the way you deserve to be treated, which is not as a national championship contender. So, until you prove otherwise, um, let's get to Florida where do we even start? Where do we even start? There were some people that said I needed to apologize to, to Kyle Trask, which I'm not going to do because I feel like I've been very uh, complimentary of Kyle Trask. Let's start with Grantham. I refused to give Todd Grantham an apology last week. I f- refused to do it, Connor. He had two extra wins yeah. going up against Mizzou and, and he, the, the, the defense was so bad that I, I thought that he honestly still owed us an apology and blah, blah, blah. My God. 2 of 13 on third downs. Todd Grantham still got it. Todd Grantham has still got it. Todd Grantham is like that prom queen. Like, you went to high school with, you haven't seen in like, 16 years, and you come home for something, and she's, like, still rocking, like, Cole's jeans, and you're like, damn. Cindy's still got it. Todd Grantham, you still got it. Um, please don't wear Cole's jeans. Anyway, um, I, I... This defense is only going to get better. It's only, gonna get it's, it's only going to get healthier. It's only going to face teams the rest of the season I think that aren't going to beat them um, and now he's got pretty much a month and a half to prepare for Alabama Ty Grantham I'm sorry for everything I said about you please don't hurt Matt Jones when you blitz non-stop um, in, in Atlanta and the other person he might not. What was that he might not blitz nonstop? Yeah. a little bit different the other person I have to apologize to um, Dan Mullen oh man I said some things said some things about you you weren't basically man enough uh, to beat somebody like Kirby Smart, you weren't built, you Man. weren't built the same. You weren't, you weren't tough enough. You, I mean, I, I don't approve fighting in khakis, but if you could do it, do it. I, and you proved yesterday you could do it. I, I, I just down fourteen zero didn't flinch, came in there, like I, I, everyone was on board with Florida. I was doubting you guys from the start, and it was mainly based off of your your past and your character. And boy, was I wrong. I, I just, I mean. My goodness. Uh, you're, 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 you're like... what's the best way I mean, to... You're like The Office Season 8. You got a lot of characters, man. You got a lot. And then I'm just really... I'm, I'm impressed more than anything. And I know... Office Season 8 was terrible. What are you talking about? They had a lot of new characters. Okay, but it was bad. Not say, it had nothing to do with him being good. What? Has not, that has nothing to do with it. It was just... I thought season nine had more new characters because okay. it had plopped. Dan, I'm sorry for what Connor's doing right now, too. I, I, I want to apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Um, I, I apologize. I apologize to Dan Mullen for real. Like this, like I, we joke around a lot, but I, I owe him like a genuine apology. I, I questioned whether he were morally stable or not morally, emotionally stable, which... Okay. I, a question: If you were basically man enough to lead your team into victory, incredible win yesterday. Incredible job getting over the hump. Had a great time. Had a great time, Daniel. Watching you turn the state of Georgia blue twice oh. in the same week. <laughs> it was just—it was—it was just an awesome win, and, and I couldn't be uh, more proud of you guys. Last, actually, second to last, Florida fans in general. this is
0: like a seven-minute apology. What are you making
1: up for last week? Yeah, I am. Connor. Is there a problem? Um, it's, first off, it's like a three-minute apology. Uh, so, anyway, I, I'm i sorry for Florida fans for getting you guys all riled up and thinking you guys would not make the SEC championship game. And also really sorry for saying that I would much rather play all the Georgia. God, I would – I would, I, unlike my dog, I would love to see the mailman again. I, I would love to see him again in Atlanta, and I'm not going to be able to. And the last, last group I need to apologize to, seamless transition. Oh, shit. Hold on. Oh, boy. Case this is a look. Cut! Cut! I only to apologize to LSU fans because this is coming out. COP! How you been? You, you, you look a little surprised. You look a little surprised to see me right now. How, how you been?
0: I'm confused as to why. Quick, go! Quick,
1: go! Quick, go! Quick, go get a little bite to eat. You go we have a little apple cider donut. You ever have apple cider donut, come. That's so basic. Probably, I don't know why I'm doing it. Connor, I don't know why i are doing this right now. It's rude. Anyway, cut! big week ahead we got a big week ahead i know you prepare you you prepare how you prepare
0: i uh, usually try to look up as many stats as possible mm-hmm. and put them on pieces mm-hmm. of paper and shuffle mm-hmm. them around while i'm recording a podcast hey, you make a fuck critic again for no i
1: mean for no reason <laughs> absolutely no reason regardless okay uh we got a big week in down battle okay a lot, lot of talk coming out lately about my personal life um let me tell you something. I'm a new man. I'm ready to go, and we gonna be Alabama this weekend. You want to start? You want to start a chair, Connor? We Alabama. All right, Coach. It's probably enough. Um, we're gonna get at least one one-star review from somebody offended by that. But good to have you back. It could be good. It could be. A. Connor, what the that hell did you say story. while I was out of the room?
0: Um, I might have might have made fun of your your paper shuffling. Uh, and, Doing too many too many notes, looking up too much random stuff to prepare. <laughs> Might have been. Uh, you fun. know what? I don't know. You know
1: you, I'm glad you did because um, I, I know I noticed. I'll, you know what? I'll just throw some shade at you real quick. I know that you got t- like twice in the past week. People have gone out of their way to compliment you for being right about something, right? Like like Perry did it a couple weeks ago on the thread about how you you nailed something. You realize that I went five and one yesterday in my picks, my locks of the week, Jeff Locksworthy. I was twenty three and seven last week. I, I I dialed it back this week five and one. Whenever you guys want to start giving me credit, you know the one I missed Memphis, but according to Florida fans, I missed Florida. That so I I know nothing. But anyway, moving on. Let's go guess the week week lines.
0: <laughs> let's guess some week lines, shall we? Yes. Georgia, Mizzou. Georgia is going to be a, a road favorite. Yes. That we know they're on the road. Yeah. Road team
1: first. I a joke. I Listen,
0: to piss you, off. you did. Yeah. Georgia going to be a two touchdown favorite. I'm going to say 14 and a half points on the road against Mizzou. Angry Kirby Smart.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect. Um, that's exactly what they were favored by last time, too.
0: Cocktail party afterwards a couple years ago. A certain Florida team, after a loss to Georgia and watched the season fade away, did not handle Mizzou no. very well. That'll be just, fun. And Mizzou got an off week, too. So. Vandy, Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's going to be favored, but with that offense, you can't be favored by that much. But Vandy was also like a 19-point dog against Mississippi yeah. State. So I'm going I'm to say Kentucky's going to be a 13-point favorite. Ooh, nine and 9.5. 9.5. Gosh, it's not that much. A&M, Tennessee. A&M's road woes, I think, are a thing of the past. 10-point favorite against Tennis- South Carolina. Yeah, Tennessee is going to be a dog at home. I think AM and m 11 and a half
1: point favorite 12, on
0: 12 and a half. Auburn, Mississippi State. Gosh, Mississippi State's just so frustratingly terrible. Auburn's oh, going to be a favorite. Right now. Here we go. Ooh, yeah. ATL, there we oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Auburn is going to be – can Auburn be a double-digit favorite? Mississippi State's defense was not good against Vandy. They let up a ton of yards. Yeah, A ton of yards in that game. I'm gonna say that Auburn is going to be 11 point favorite.
1: Um, against Mississippi State, yeah, i I'll say, I'll say 14.
0: Okay, Auburn also hasn't looked that good on the road yeah, yet as I know. well. Something to keep in yeah. mind. South Carolina, Ole Miss. Ole Miss should be a home favorite. I think. Yeah, they will. With how bad South Carolina has looked the last two games. But I think not by that much. Ole Miss, four-point
1: favorite. Uh, at home against South Carolina, I, w- I will say five and a half. Four, okay, four sounds, sounds about about more right, though. I like that.
0: Most intriguing game of the week in all of college football, in my opinion. Arkansas-Florida. Yeah, that's right. Arkansas-Florida. The, Flan- the Felipe Franks reunion yeah. in Gainesville. I can't even say it. Florida will be... Not as big of a favorite as some would have expected coming into the year, despite the fact that their offense looks really good. I think this could partially be dependent on the health of Kyle Pitts, which we do not yep. know what that is moving forward. That gives a little bit of pause. And with how well Barry Odom's defense has been prepared, I don't think our, that Arkansas is going to be a two-touchdown dog. I think Florida is only a 12-point
1: favorite at home. 16.5. That much. They, wow. I mean, they, What good. were they against, against A&M? Florida against... No, no, Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas. Yep. Was it... It doesn't matter. Let's move on to the next one because I'm excited. yeah <laughs> All right, Bama-LSU. <laughs> the one that you've been looking for.
0: Death Valley is not going to be the same. Um, Bama has played better at Death Valley than at home against uh, LSU. I, so take mm-hmm, that for what it is. Mm-hmm. The over-under on this game is going to be pretty high, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Individual pulling total, pretty high well, for Alabama, I would imagine. Has to be over 40. 20, yeah, it has to be over 40. Bama on the road against that defense, 22 and a
1: half Ooh, point 17 and a half. I will put all of my fiance's money on it. They are, I, I will say 17 and a half because there's still enough idiots in this country that think that Death Valley at night is is something that should matter so it it, if it was like neutral I could see 20 maybe um but like people are still gonna look at this and be like oh BAM LSU like it like it's it's BAM LSU 17 and a half is a crazy line like like 20 would be even crazier but as you illustrated and as you will hear from me several times throughout the week this week in the last 63 years Alabama has lost five times in Baton Rouge the Tide don't lose in Baton Rouge
0: Going to be interesting. Wait, to see hold that on,
1: one. real quick. Now that I think about it, when's the last time LSU's even scored on Bama and Baton Rouge? Twenty fourteen. You would, you would know yeah, that. Twenty fourteen. Well, it's been. Oh, we were all so young then. So young. Yeah. Kevin, I was think LSU's got a chance to score. What's that? Miles Brennan's probably not going to play in that one. Oh, well. then, that will impact that. Line. Oh, I didn't know that. That will. Impact oh, then that it'll be twenty yeah, as well. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. We have a full slate coming up. It's going to be Masters Week. Oh, gosh. What a fantastic Hello, time friends. of year this is turning out to be. It's going to be great. Looking forward to that so, so much. This has uh, just been fantastic to be able to talk about like actual playoff things moving forward. We have playoff shows that are going to be starting in like two weeks Dude, here. Dude, you, know
1: you know what I didn't realize what we're in the middle of? Maxion started last Wednesday. Schlag. We're in schlag. They have There's games on Tuesday. We have football every day this is week. Is that what really, you're really thinking of? Yeah. And schlag? Yeah. We, yes. we, we okay. we're getting we're getting more and more similar. Uh, so wait, you said a cuss <laughs> word today, Connor.
0: I know, I know, I did. What the? What's that up. about? Got me fired up. Sorry. Um, but yes. Uh, still so many things that we're going to talk about. We'll we'll probably we'll, we'll talk a lot more playoff stuff moving forward. I've been pretty much ignoring the rankings moving yeah. to this point because I, I don't really see the point in talking about you know games that you know we're talking about resumes that are so vastly at this point. But. Make sure that you're following all of our stuff on social media, cranking out great, great content on Saturday. Down South on Saturday Down South newsletter, Saturday news football. Go subscribe to that. Go join our Facebook group, Saturday Down South. On Facebook, make sure that you're following us on Twitter, at Vern FunQuist, at SDS, at the SDS Pod, at SEC Football, at CJ O'Gara. Any other Twitter accounts that I'm forgetting? Probably. That's okay. Um, but yes, Coach O, you came by.
1: What do we need to remember? Okay. He's gone, gone. He's eating it. A- okay. okay. Um, it might need to. Fuck you, son.